Hey, hey, y'all. Welcome to my podcast, Melanated Stamps. My name is Dr. Janae Perdue, and this is my little corner of the world. Today's guest is super special because he is amazing. We actually did this um, conversation, well, recorded it uh, many, many moons ago, but I decided to um, post it now because... Uh, he is running for school board in Denver, Colorado, and this is his um, story of going from a young kid on West Side all the way to um, being a CEO of a uh, organization that focuses on mental health and infant health. So I am super excited to introduce you to my guest, Reverend Dr. Jose Silva, and I'm so proud of him for all of the work that he's doing, and he drops so many gems and his story is incredible. So without further ado, this is Reverend Dr. Jose Silva. Hey, hey, y'all. Welcome to Melanated Stamps. My name is Dr. Janea Perdue, and I am an expat in Shenzhen, China, and I'm from Denver, Colorado. My podcast is where I get to chat with dope people who are doing dope things all around the world. Today's guest is Inkem, and she is from uh america she's a nigerian american expat in mexico she runs all kinds of workshops and um, opportunities to um, grow writers and creatives as they put their ideas on with on paper with pen or pencil or typing things (laughs) so um you can join some of her workshops you can uh work with her privately or um or just read her work. She is currently a well-published author, um, and her work is incredible. So please find her, support her, hire her, um, send love to uh, tell other folks about the excellence that she is, and you can find her work, her workshops, sign up for her things at wellspringwords.love slash workshops. That's W-E-L-L spring words. Uh, dot love dot workshops and then also um she has a, an anthology where she showcases the creative storytelling of women of color and I'm super thrilled about her journey her work and her, how she um cultivates excellence through writing um she also has writing of her own that I'm sure she would love people to read and that is at byinkim.co just in case you weren't able to catch all of that you can find all of that information on my website melanated stamps which is m-e-l-a-n-a-t-e-d-s-t-a-m-p-s and that is where you can find past episodes of this podcast other conversations that I've had with brilliant folks who are doing brilliant things all around the world and also on my website Um, You can find pictures to go along with the voices that you hear on my podcast episodes. Find me also Instagram, Melanated Stamps. That's where I share more of my opinions on things in life and also um, pictures and lots of, you know, Instagram-y type things. Um, So that is what y'all need to know about In Kim. And I can't wait for you to hear her perspective on life. Um, She's great. And I think you're going to love her. Without further ado, y'all, enjoy the podcast episode.
Hello everyone, welcome to Melanated Stamps and I'm so glad you are here and have found me in my little corner of the world. Today we have an excellent guest and she is also an expat and doing so many great things all around the world. Can you explain to everyone who you are and where you are currently? Hi, uh, my name is Kim, or Kim. Um, I am an expat. I've been one for a little while now, like since 2017, and I currently am in Mexico City, but by the time this episode comes out, who knows where I'll be, because at this phase of my expat journey, I am I'm nomading. I'm, I'm more so of a, no, a nomad than an expat, but previously, before uh, coming to Mexico, I was in Abu Dhabi in the UAE for three years, so at that point, I was really an expat, and before that, I was in Korea for a year, and then before that, I was like in New York, living in the U.S., that's where I was born and raised and everything, but um, the whole the whole expat situation started when I studied abroad in Hong Kong in 2014 and I was like oh there's a whole world out here like there is a world people are doing things it feels sexy to be overseas I'm learning new things I'm always stimulated and I need that for my kind of personality so yeah that's when the whole thing started and here I am today 2021 in Mexico City figuring out the next step oh my <laughs> gosh you know so my research when I was in the university was trying to figure out how to get more black people to study abroad and so I'm curious to know um um, what made you decide to buy the first plane ticket and, like, get out? Yeah. Um, okay, so it, it's, it's a little bit interesting because nowadays I'm super into astrology, human design, and numerology, all these types of spiritual things. I'm just coming into myself as a spirit, as a really, everyone's a spiritual person, let's put it like that, but as someone who really puts spirituality as their the front, the front of their uh, of their identity, and so I see now that it is pretty much written in the stars that I'm meant to travel and be someone who thrives off of being out of the normal, comfortable situation. And looking back, that's really how my life has been even before I started traveling. Mm -hmm. So my parents are Nigerian. I'm Nigerian American, and one year, 2012, we we're in Nigeria, and uh, I was like thinking about some study abroad opportunities I just like had some like a list of places that my school was offering and like oh like most of the students in my program were going to Florence I was like yeah so I can go and sit next to the same people I'm sitting next to in class already no thank mm. you I'm gonna go somewhere else mm -hmm. and Hong Kong was a cool option my dad he was like you're gonna study abroad like all mm. hard like that I said where is this energy coming from like I want to you don't need to force me to study abroad. <laughs> <laughs> but at, after that point I was like okay well now that I'm under orders to, <laughs> to study abroad. I don't know what where that came from or what, you know. I looked into it more seriously, and there was a scholarship that I applied to um, in the honors program that I was part of. And so they, I won the scholarship. There was like five of them, $10,000. And so that helped to for me to really feel comfortable, like actually comfortable doing this, not thinking about how am I going to afford it and all those questions. Because at the time I was studying um I was, I was doing my bachelor's in New York City, which was already very expensive, and I wasn't earning anything, you know, I was a student, I, my, my parents were paying, I was take, doing loans, grants, all that kind of, kind of thing, so when this scholarship came, it kind of just changed the way that I looked at it, um, so I think that kind of helps, knowing that you have things covered, you don't have to be struggling when you're overseas, you're already going to be struggling with potentially language and culture and, you know, finding a sense of, of home or belonging, and then on top of that money, Ouch. So for me, that part was kind of taken away a little bit. And yeah, I could just go in and explore. Wow. 
I love it. So why why Hong Kong and why Abu Dhabi and why Mexico City? Like how how do you pick these places? And <laughs> yes, questions. I never think about it today. I never. I don't like. Um, so for Hong Kong, I I think back then it was. I had a list of the places that that my university offered for my major, and then I was just doing, like, elimination, right? I didn't want to go to Florence. China didn't look very interesting to me. I think there may have been one other and Hong Kong, and then Hong Kong just seemed the most interesting. Like, it just, you know, so that one was, was process of elimination. And then when it came to moving to Korea to teach English in 2017, uh, it was between Japan and Korea because at the time I, I left New York because I had gotten fired from a job, like the second job in a row. And I was like, this city is too expensive for me to be just finding a job just so I could pay $1,200 in rent. You know, I mean, this, this nasty city. Mm-hmm. You know, I've already been in for like six years. I'm done. Mm-hmm. We're done. The rats are kicking me out. I'm out of here. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I moved back to California where the family home is and then like kind of just transition and, uh, and then chose Korea because, I don't know, like I can't be in two places at once in this particular dimension, in this timeline, in this reality as far as I know. So I can't be in, in, in Japan and Korea. So I just chose Korea because I was sending my applications to both and it's like, if they both say yes, and you you have to make a decision at some point, so maybe just put your energy into one. So I, I did Korea, and I went there, and that was a wonderful experience. But coming when I went to um, Abu Dhabi, that one was interesting because there have been a lot of overlaps in my personal timeline when it comes to like my career and my traveling lifestyle. So when I was, I studied fashion business uh, in university, but while I was studying fashion business, I also worked at the writing studio in the university as a peer writing consultant for three years. And in that time, I went to a conference in, in, um, what's it called? Germany. What's that place? (laughs) (laughs) Yes. In Germany, Frankfurt Oder. This is like the other Frankfurt, the one that people don't really know about. Mm -hmm. Why would you go there? But there was a university that was having a conference there and I went with my bosses and it was awesome. I met this woman who worked at NYU Abu Dhabi. Um, they had like this, this global academic fellows program and she was talking about it at the time I was a junior. So I was like, yo, I know that if I apply for a program like that, or, you know, start to venture off into the world, this is after I came back from study abroad. So I had already had this expanded mindset of the world. I know that if I, if I do any of those things before completing my degree program, I will not finish. I mm. will, I will just be out and out and out. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I, I just like, I really thought it was interesting what she was proposing because it just sounded very cool and like in the mind academic writing space that might I always just exist in. But I said, no, let me go back to New York, finish. And then all the stuff happened and I ended up going to Korea. But in that time, I reached out to her again, like before I moved, moved, before I left New York, I reached out. It's like, hey, I don't know if you remember me. This was several years later. I know the timeline is jumping, but that's kind of how the situation went. Several years later, I reached out to her. Hey don't know if you remember me this is where I'm at right now do you know if NYU Abu Dhabi is still doing the, the, the that fellowship program and she said that they weren't but whatever keep in touch cool next year the next you know Christmas time that's kind mm-hmm. of when I sent out this this um message at that point I had already been in Korea for let's say four or five months something like that three, four months, something, I don't know, and so I reached out to her, told her what I was doing in Korea, and just said, like, happy, 
holidays, basically. And she replied and told me that she was leaving the position. I'd be the first person to replace her, that I should send her, like, an application, basically. There wasn't an application out, but she said I should send her CV, teachers, what do you call it, philosophy, all that kind of stuff. And then she'll pass it along. So she did that, and then there was an application that came out on the portal on the on the school's website. And I applied to that, too, with the same documents, because, like... But let's let's have some consistency here. And mm-hmm. I ended up like getting a job there as a writing instructor. And so yeah, that's what made. But that's what caused me to move to Abu Dhabi was really for the job. Because a lot of people ask why Abu Dhabi? <laughs> why mm-hmm. you move to the middle of the Middle East like for once? And true. for me, it was because of the role. It was because of the job. And um, honestly, it didn't help. It didn't. It didn't hurt to work in an American university there because a lot of people, not everybody, but a lot of people there were Americans. So it also felt kind of familiar in that sense, but then I could still get away from Americans because I don't really spend too much time with American people overseas. I don't live in America for a reason. I don't want to be around like all Americans all the time. There's a, pur- so there's a purpose. You, you yeah. understand what I'm saying, right? <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. so, um, so yeah, it was, it was really good for the time that I was there. And then, and then Mexico. Yeah, that was like, you know, during all the lockdowns and stuff, and I really just felt, I think like a lot of people, the urge for change, Mm -hmm. I feel it often, the urge for change, but especially that time, that was like, you know, we were sitting at home, summers are incredibly hot in Abu Dhabi, and usually I would travel, you know, go somewhere else and just take take the heat off, you know, but this time I had to stay in, you know. In the country because we couldn't really move that much and I was like I need to leave I need to get out of here and you should have you should have seen me during that time I was like made this timeline of, okay end of 2022 I'm gonna leave like I'm actually gonna be out of here and then it was like you know what summer of 2022 I'm gonna be out okay you know what end of 2021 I'm gonna be out okay you know summer 2020 like and, and it ended up being April 2021 that I yeah. left because I just couldn't take it mm-hmm. so yeah and Mexico was open and I was like I need somewhere that is tropical people are nice the country is open there's not too many restrictions and Mexico was the perfect place for that so that's why I came here but I wasn't in Mexico City at first I was in it was in a different place that was near the ocean, which I love more. <laughs> ah, absolutely. What city were you in in Mexico next to the ocean? I was in Puerto Escondido. Ah, glorious. Have you heard of it? It's in Oaxaca. Um, Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think Oaxaca has like one of the only nude beaches or something like that is, is near the area. I don't know. But yeah, I didn't go to the nude beach because I was still, um, I was trapped in a lot of, of layers of confusion when it comes to sexuality so like i was like oh god they don't wear clothes i can't go but um yeah yeah, that was many moons ago but my first my first study abroad was mexico and so mexico has will always have a really special place in my heart because it was the it was the thing that helped to to launch me so many moons ago yeah absolutely and then i was like wait a minute like i think i'm out (laughs) but it took me a lot longer (laughs) It took me a lot longer to leave, um, officially, um, but yes. I'm curious about um, how you defined expat versus nomad, because you you said, I was an yeah. expat, now I'm a nomad. Can you talk about, like, what those terms mean for you? Yeah, honestly, like, I, I'm totally transcending definitions that you might find online for this, and maybe I'm not having looked at it. It's just my own personal way of defining it, because when I think of expat, I think of someone who has left their home 
quote-unquote home country and has planted themselves in a new place for a foreseeable amount of time without necessarily the intention of moving around so much mm-hmm. but a nomad is somebody who has the intention of moving around so and a nomad can be an expat but maybe an expat can't be a nomad I don't know like that's not fixed at all it's just the way that I'm seeing it for myself as I transition from moving to a certain country to work right to fix myself into that community and work there and teach there and do whatever as opposed to what I'm doing now is like no, I left that kind of situation, but I'm still living overseas and bouncing around, but not necessarily moving somewhere for work and fixing myself there. I may fix myself in a place for another reason, but yeah, it, I'm just still figuring it out. So for me, exchanging those words is helpful. Yeah, absolutely. Um, how are you, or what are some of the values that you establish as you are picking a place to go next, and then also your values for staying where you are as you are moving around? Oh, such good questions. Thank you, by the way, for this, because I'm in the midst of thinking about what's next for me, and this is, this is helpful. This mm-hmm. is really helpful for me. So, so values for picking a place and values for sticking, sticking there, yeah. right? Yeah. Values for picking a place, It. Uh, let me just talk about now, because like, I think I've, I've really made a huge transition in my in my inner self, so that has, of course, um, had an effect on how I operate externally, but now it's really about, like, the energy of the place, and it's hard to tell when you're not there, so usually I like to get recommendations from people who I know have the same general values as me, so for instance, me going to Puerto Escondido, I didn't really know about like what the vibe was going to be there, but uh, I knew it wasn't Cancun or Tulum or any of these, like Playa del Carmen, which I have been to Playa del Carmen, and it's fine for a vacation, blah, blah, blah. But in terms of what I'm looking for, the kind of, a sense of consciousness, a a sense of spirituality, and sometimes it can go overboard, people are just being a little bit too woo-woo, which I can be too. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, But like, you know, finding a, a, a happy medium with that, and people who are generally wanting to be creative and to to commune with others. And if you go to a surfer town, you're really going to find that a lot because um, I don't know if you've ever surfed before, but surfing, you have to really be in tune with the present, in tune with the water. It's not about you as like this human mind and everything. It's really about the body and about, you know, those kind of experiences and your experience with nature. So just having that mindset alone and in a surfer town is going to, it's going to affect the vibe there. So it's also somewhere with a lot of natural nature, mm-hmm. like Mother Earth nature kind of nature. Mm-hmm. So uh, I should say vibrant green nature because now I'm thinking of nature and there was nature in Abu Dhabi, but it was like sand and stuff. And that's just how the place was. It's not like somebody came and took down all the trees. That's just how it is, right? So, yeah, you know what kind of thing this lush, vibrant type of nature. Um, and so when it comes to moving to other places, I really lean on the communities that I've cultivated in Puerto Escondido and also in Mexico City because these are the kind of people who would be into what I'm into. So if they tell me, oh, go to this place, I know that I'm probably going to be into the vibe there too. Not just like looking online and thinking, where should I go? Because somebody might say, you have to go to Tulum. It's an amazing place. And you go there, it's all people like trying to party and it's basically another little America or something. I haven't been, so I can't really say it, but that's what I, that's what I hear from people and I'm not really into that. Mm-hmm. And so that, that's, that's that first part of the question. The second part is what keeps me around. Um, values that keep me around. Huh. I, it's pretty much the same. Like I, I need to feel a sense that there is a deeper community happening, that people are 
like into I don't know I'm just really attracted to when people are into what they're into like I mean people have their own passion or their own initiative or something and they're they're trying to share that so basically living from the soul and sharing whatever they have as passionate to them they're practicing it and also sharing it intentionally with other people around to create like a real nice community that's like intentional and it means something not just everybody like it is Mexico City that from my perspective a lot of people hustling big city energy people hustling and bustling and trying to get things done and it's really it like makes me anxious on its own and that's not a value that I really cherish mm-hmm. I don't think anxiety is a value anyone cherishes but like um the, the upside of that anxious energy is that you have this drive this hustle there's a fire underneath you to get things done which I guess is the upside of it which is nice, but I don't know. Now I'm just kind of chill. Just kind of yeah. chill out a bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think um, I didn't plan to come to, I mean, I planned to, and I bought a ticket to come to China, but it was not on my list of things to do in life. <clears throat> but I just kind of got here and um, I live in, I live in a, a town. It's like either 15 or 19 million people. And it's just the, the hustle wow. and the bustle. Like it's, it's insane. And I it's honestly insane. don't think that this is the way humans are supposed to, to live. Like these mega cities, it's not the way. And so, um, the next place that I go, um, that's why I was asking, like, um, I now know what I don't like because this is where I live now. Um, yeah, yeah, for sure. Oh, I love it. This is so exciting. So what type of, um, so when you talked about like connecting with people and that you're really not into t- um, connecting with uh, Americans because that's the whole reason that you left. Um, are do yeah, you? Yeah, one of the reasons. Yeah. So, um, two questions. I'm not sure which which you want to answer first. One is what were some of the other things that made that are keeping you out of the states or like um, encouraging you? Yeah, and then also. Um, yeah, and then also, what type or what kinds of humans do you connect with when you are abroad? Um, yes. Mm. Okay, so huh. when I left the U.S., it wasn't really because I couldn't take any more of the U.S. It was really that drive to, uh, to, to travel and to have a different experience. Mm-hmm. And actually, I, I, I had this thing on my bucket list of teaching English overseas. I just wanted to do that. And um, I had it in my mind, but I was still quite nervous about it, about making that decision. Like, I always, I had always been an alternative person. Like, I have always looked at the world in a very different way than probably most of my family, except for my brother. He's, like, very alternative. <laughs> but, and then, like, a lot of people in my circles as well, being studying fashion business and being in the fashion industry. When I studied fashion business, that was fun because you get to study, you get to experiment, and you get, get to be creative. But when you go into the industry of the thing... Man, that totally, that totally sucked like the life out of me. And so I was coming to try and find out what, who am I, what's going on here, what do I want in life. Still trying to figure it out. Obviously now at 28, it feels a lot more secure than when I was, what, 23, 22, something like that. But during that time, yeah, my drive was like, I want to do this thing. And now I have the opportunity. I'm not going to get any younger. Like this is, I'm not attached to anybody. Like I literally have nothing to lose let me leave and I have yeah. a passport you know and I can't go there so let me do it um but then 
they, there was a distinct moment I always recall. I, it was probably my first week, at least the first month when I was in Korea. I was walking around the neighborhood that my school was in just to get the lay of the land, you know, just kind of roaming around and see what's up. And there was a cop car just parked somewhere, and I got so, like, mm. scared. I just got so scared because of my understanding of what a cop car around meant. That meant that there was going to be trouble, especially if that's how it is in the U.S., especially if you're black and especially if you, I mean, I, I wanted to say a metropolitan area, not even anywhere, you mm-hmm. know? So that's the moment where I was like, damn, I'm traumatized. And I don't think I had the language for even being traumatized back then in 2017, but I was definitely traumatized. And I realized like, I can't be, it's not healthy. It's not safe for me to be in a place where I am psychologically challenged all the time, all the time psychologically challenged, which of course means I'm mentally challenged, which of course means I'm physically challenged, which of course means it's all connected, spiritually challenged. To to live in the U.S. for me just has associated itself with being unnecessarily challenged, you know, and living in a way that's not, that's not conducive to my own thriving, my growth, my Mm -hmm. pleasure, which is the most important thing for me, um, is fun, is pleasure. And those things actually come through the growth and stuff. Mm. So that's my own personal value, my, my, my own personal ethic. So yeah, like after that experience, I think those ideas started to come in more like, I'm not trying to go to the U.S. <laughs> I'm not trying to go there for vacation. I don't want to be there. But I know that also that, that mentality is is creating a story. It's creating a narrative that the U.S. is unsafe. And it's not that all places in the U.S. are unsafe. It's not that as soon as I step land on U.S. soil, I'm going to get killed. That's not the truth. It's really not. So I understand that, and that's something that I'm working with on my own. But I still don't want to be there. I mean, it's not for that that story that is building in my mind for the fact that I find a lot more pleasure and satisfaction in places other than the U.S. Uh, you know what I mean? Absolutely. I totally know what you mean. Um, yes, you do. <laughs> I do. <laughs> Because I'm out. Um, yeah, for sure. Um, so I'm always curious, like, when people develop their relationships when they are abroad. So for me, like, I live in this ginormous city, and I am 0% interested. I call them, like, McDonald's expats. They're, like, the ones that, like, travel abroad, and they only go to Hard Rock Cafe and McDonald's. Yeah. And they're like, oh, my God, yeah. I just can't eat the noodles. And I'm like, fam, you're in China. What are you doing? You have to eat the you have to eat yeah. the noodles. Eat all yeah. of them because they're everywhere. Um, and they're just like, <laughs> it's just soy sauce. <laughs> yeah, it's soy sauce. You have to eat it. Yes. And then there's those people who, like, dive in or the hybrid. Yeah. So, like, what types of folks um, help keep you grounded in your ethics and in your value system? Like, what what does your circle look like? Um, who are you, oh. who, who do you interact with? Yeah, yeah. My circle is very is very diverse. It's always been very diverse, and it's it's interesting because I don't find myself having a lot of black people in my circle. This is how it's always been since birth. It hasn't even. It's not just because I moved overseas. I don't have anything against black people. Come on, look at me. I'm mm-hmm. black. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? But um, in terms of yeah, I, I'm, I'm reluctant to say value by my personal values or ethics because it makes it seem it makes it seem like there's a hierarchy with it. But I think it's my perspective, my perspective on the world. I'm now becoming way more comfortable and confident in having a, let's call it a queer perspective because being queer is not just about your sexual identity. It's about and we can talk about this on the other podcast too, you know. Yes, but 
Yeah, but it's it, for me, it's about the way that I see the world, the way that I engage with the world, the way that I engage with things. It's very abnormal. So if most of the people around are engaging with things in a very status quo way and I'm not, I'm just not going to fit in with them. So I usually um, find myself really close friends with people who think outside the box, who are a little bit weird, quirky, who have their own personal passions and, and like I have my passion, they have their passion, they have their passion. And that's happening more and more these days as I'm being more truthful with my own experience of life. But in the past, it's really been like people who are creative, dancers, writers, you know, um, mostly dancers and writers. I'm thinking about my time in Abu Dhabi since it's been the longest stretch of time I've lived somewhere overseas and have met so many different people. But another thing that I really value is becoming friends with, however possible, in the most authentic way, people who are local to that culture. Because obviously it's a very first-hand experience. You can learn, you know, about the culture through them, through how they live, like a real sense of it, not just reading or not just doing research on it, but actually becoming friends with people mm. and being in that. And, uh, yeah, just like, I don't know, putting myself in scenarios that I get to be uh, challenged, but not in the unnecessary challenge way. Just like, I don't know anybody here. This is an event that I think I can learn something from, or this is like, you know, I don't know, I may be able to get some, I don't know, I have no idea, honestly. I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> I'm over here answering all these questions with such conviction. This is my Mercury in, uh, in Virgo speaking, but... I don't know. Like, I'm literally just kind of flying and seeing what sticks and going to things that call my name. So a lot of the friends that I've made here in uh, in Mexico, they're, they're actually Mexican. Most of them are Mexican. Um, I met a woman on the plane landing in Puerto Escondido who, she's Egyptian, but she has, like, a ton of Mexican friends because she's been living in Mexico for five years and speaks fluent Spanish and everything. So I met her. She was very talkative, very inviting. I was like, cool. So we hung out, and then I made a lot of friends with her friends, and from there I made other friends. And so the person's house that I'm living in right now, he's one of those friends from Puerto Escondido who's Mexican and has this home, but he's living, he's traveling in Russia. So I'm renting out his place and then also being introduced to his, his friend group from here who are dancers and 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 people who work with the body, people who work with the spirit, and people like me, essentially. Mm-hmm. So that's just how it happened naturally. But I think for anyone who is, like, living in a new place or thinking about moving to a new place and wondering how am I even going to have a sense of community there, it's always – this is tried and true. This is, like, down to the bare bones of it. You have to go where you feel called. Like, you can't, mm. you can't do it the fake way. You can't, like – create friends out of nothing. You have to go where you feel called. So if there's a, an event that's happening online or in your town and it's like, oh, that's interesting. I actually think that would be cool. Go to it because then you'll be able to meet people who have the same values, you know? Nothing Ooh. revolutionary there. Yeah. It's like so simple, but we yeah. often forget how to do this and then and yeah. then they're just like, you know what, actually I'm just not going to have any friends. And I was like, no, you, you should try to have friends. Like, it's okay. Just try. Just try. Yeah. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. Um, good. So, uh, I want to talk about your writing. So you did say that you're a writer and that you are an instructor, but I feel like it's a lot more complex than that. So what is this writing thing that you do? And like what, yes, all the things. Yeah. Well, interesting. So I'm a writer. It's true. Before I started identifying as a writer, I had always identified as a writing teacher first, because I think I mentioned it earlier in this episode, when I was in university, I was also doing peer writing consulting in the writing studio. And at that time, I didn't 
like you know we, we, we come up with the vocabulary for things we feel as we as we learn the vocabulary as we age as we have more experiences whatnot but then I just knew there was something super special about working with somebody's words or looking at somebody's life through the way they express themselves in their words even if it was an academic assignment you know the words that we choose the sentence structure that we choose the paragraph structure all of these things they really do tell they, they give us a tell into what this person thinks like how they see the world what and it's so vulnerable and I just I found myself super drawn to that and uh and so I just continued doing that because I just, I loved it. I just loved it so much, whether it was like a volunteer thing or a paid thing. And then now my life is really about that when I decided, okay, come, you're fully no longer in the fashion industry. You are fully, you know, you can fully do whatever you fully want to fully do. <laughs> you can, you can, you can do it. whatever it is that you want to do. Yep. And you, you find yourself called to doing this, do it. And so what it, what it looks like right now, it last summer, during all of that, staying at home and, and lamenting over being in Abu Dhabi instead of <laughs> traveling, mm-hmm. I started um, a digital anthology called Wellspring Words, and um, some people can find it wellspringwords.love, www.wellspringwords.love, and at wellspringwords on Instagram, where I host the writing, storytelling of primarily women of color. Actually, all, it's not primarily, it's women of color, like that's mm-hmm. what it is, on there on the online journal and then I also do writing workshops where it's intuitive intuitive writing and creative storytelling and I just finished one up yesterday it was um about poetry and poetic language and magic and accessing magic or a portal to a different kind of reality or a different a different understanding of who you are through poetry through this medium of poetry and through metaphor and it was interesting it was so cool and everyone is welcome to attend those. It's not just for women of color. The space held for storytelling is for women of color. So when you read stories on Wellspring Words, then it's from women of color. But if you're coming to the workshops, you can be anybody from anywhere. It doesn't matter because at the end of the day, it's about going into yourself, understanding your story, understanding your narrative, and then coming out and expressing that to yourself first and then to the world. Mm-hmm. Because we, we need a space to reclaim. We're talking about reclaiming narrative on your podcast, right? Like the whole yes. thing is about... Understanding our narratives and reclaiming our narratives is the mm-hmm. same thing, right? Um, so, yeah, through that, obviously, the teaching was still happening, the guiding, the holding, the space was still happening. And I said to myself, let me more intentionally experience this. Like, let mm-hmm. me more intentionally do the writing and, and actually, I mean, I really knew what it was about because you can't really teach something to somebody that you don't know but to have it in an intentional way for myself has been so life-changing for me because it just helps me to feel more grounded in who I am and and how I see the world and uh, yeah so I do one-on-one coaching as well for people who are looking to like fully identify as writers maybe they have a book project or a writing project that they need support on accountability is really important and writing being a writer committing to that lifestyle or that identity or committing to your projects is hard. It's really not easy. Some people it's easy. Okay, let's say that. And some people it's easy. But it can be it can be very difficult for people. And so you need accountability and also sometimes just like a spark of energy. Like how do I do this? So basically in the, in the program that I do, it's a three-month program at the longest. And every week we meet and you have like a different workshop essentially. It's like a personal workshop for you based on what you're looking to write. So 
if you want to like focus on poetry we do poetry if you want to create a collection through our 12 weeks together we create a collection you know of poetry that you can go and actually but you have to do the work on your own right like you're going to come to the session and you're going to write and you're going to learn and you're going to workshop and stuff but after that with 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 the prompts and things that i give you you have to do the work on your own but hopefully having someone there to support you to say what you're feeling and want to express is valid that's going to help you do that even more easily Mm-hmm. I hope that, that answer. Oh, there's a podcast too. <laughs> yes. About writing spirituality and wellness. Yeah. Ah, so you have a podcast also. This is so great. Yeah. yeah. Yes. What are you doing on your podcast? I love podcasts. I'm always listening. Yeah. I yeah. know, right? So mm-hmm. They're amazing and they're so fun. For me, it's, it's really about having cool conversations with cool people, doing cool things, See? as you mentioned Same. before we <laughs> recorded, you know? And I always wanted to talk about. Um, these topics, but just like having conversations about wellness, spirituality, and writing with like my immediate community at the time was just really hard to dive deep because it's just hard generally. But when you are inviting somebody on a podcast or if someone expressed interest to come on your podcast to talk about this thing, no holds barred. You talk about anything in that subject, right? Mm-hmm. Or whatever the parameters you set for your episode. I talk about anything in there because this is we came here for this reason, so we can go deep. Right. So it's really fun. Yeah, well, the podcast. Yes, and I I will be sure to like post all of the links and things so people who listen to our conversation they will be able to find your your work as well. So fantastic! Yes, guys, you got to work together. Yes, um, (laughs) I want for people who are new to writing because I I love writing; it makes me happy. Um, but I think it's very powerful when people transition from I write to I am a writer. So can you talk yeah. a little bit more about like that transition from one to the other? What you see, what that means for you, and also like just some pointers for people who are like, I feel like it's, sure. it's more than just like writing a paragraph. Yes. Right, right, yeah. Um, hmm. So one thing that I invite a lot of people to do, especially my clients when I start working with them, is to do a writer's manifesto in the beginning of, or at any point, I think, but especially when you start, you want to take your writing journey more seriously, or you're in that space of questioning, am I a writer? Like, I know I write blog posts, or I know that I write in my journal, or I know that I write things from time to time, or I know that I want to write, even if they haven't put anything down, but am I a writer? Um, it's easier to say that you're a writer if you are writing, so if you're in that space where you want to write but you're not writing, it's much harder to convince yourself. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Don't talk about anybody else externally. It's much harder to convince yourself that you are a writer. What does it mean to be a writer? Does it mean that you've published books? Does it mean that... I mean, everyone has their own definition, right? And I I don't think it's very useful to focus on other people's definitions on what it means to be a writer. I think it's useful to focus on what one's own definition is on what it means to be a writer. Mm -hmm. And if that, for you, means I'm publishing... People are reading my work, just put it like that, people are reading my work, whether it's on Instagram, whether it's on, on my blog or my website, or whether I have a book, or whether I have like a reading circle and we come together, or just a small community, or maybe it's my family, or maybe maybe it's even just me reading my writing. Mm-hmm. If that's your definition, then be cool with it. But this ask of doing a writer's manifesto is really answering these questions for yourself. Why do I write? Who do I write for? What's my writing process like? Who would I be if I wasn't a writer? Who would mm-hmm. I be if I didn't write? Let's put it like that, because we're, we're working with this identity of being a writer. So who would I be if I didn't write? And all of these things will help you understand what does this act of translating your emotions, your thoughts, your sensations onto the page, what does it actually mean to you? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Because yeah. when we get down to the bare 
bottom, the soul level of it. That's really the, the place I like to work from. It's, it's incredibly deep. But the, when we get down to the soul core level of why you're doing what you're doing, it means so much more than if someone else is writing or hosting a workshop or, you know, producing something and you want to emulate that it's beautiful to want to emulate it but what's your intention what's your why and i think that's where it comes from so for me i'm I'm telling you this in like a kind of third person point of view second person point but it's actually first person because this is what i've been working through myself and every time that i work with participants in my workshops or my clients on that then I get to reinforce it for myself. Why is this important? And it's not just why is it important that I write. It's why is it important that I am going inside my inner world and understanding what's happening there, processing it mm-hmm. and putting it out on the page in this way that it immortalizes what's happening inside. That's really the process of writing that I've seen. I mean, there's different ways you can do it. It can be from the mind, right? You could be completely just like very intellectual. That's one way of doing it. But when it's coming from a deeper level, when you're trying to create a story and you're creating a world out of it, it's, it's a lot more deep than just like, I want to write. I want to publish a book. Yeah. You know, and those things are beautiful too, but what's the intention? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I am here for it. Oh, it makes me so happy. Yes, yes. <laughs> yes. Okay, so I ask people these same um, same questions, and we are almost at, at time, so I want to be respectful of your time. Um, sure. I want to know, um, what is it like to be black where you are, or black abroad however because you you know where you are is it, it changes and that's okay right. um and then also um what is it like to be a black woman or however you identify right now in 2021 yeah hmm. can i start with the, the black woman in 2021 absolutely thing? either or works. yes cool um being a black woman in 2021 is it feels revolutionary in a sense. It feels like the the script is being flipped by us. Like we are, I can only speak from my own lived experience and from the experiences of my immediate community of black women, people who I, you know, communicate with and we have these conversations and stuff. But there's this huge discourse of us reclaiming our, lives like our energy our time our pleasure our joy our everything every fucking thing like we are just Mm -hmm. you know it's not for them it's not for anybody else it's for us and i i realize this a lot that i have to always recenter and come back to that especially as someone who doesn't spend a lot of time around black people i mean like online it happens more so than in person i guess just because of where i'm living often um and there's always a chance to spend time with more black people. I, I don't want anybody to come and tell me, like, oh, you didn't know that there was this group, you know, in Mexico right. that you could have linked with or up with. There's, there are black people everywhere. But it's just because I think what of, of what I explained earlier a little bit, just naturally the way that I'm inclined. But still, that still exists. Like, when I see another sister living her life and being as beautiful and vibrant and bright and in herself as she wants to be, it inspires me to do the same. Now, are there still those moments where people are exoticizing, especially living abroad, are exoticizing you and fetishizing you and making it feel like, you know, you are the one to represent the whole black race and everything mm-hmm. that they know about blackness is going to be exhibited by you. And if it's not exhibited, they're going to project on Yeah, that happens. Mm-hmm. It <laughs> that does. happens. It's real. And how do I, how does one come back to themselves after experiencing that? It's just to remember, look, 
it's my life. Like, I chose to be here. I'm choosing to go to be around these people or not. And I get to choose in every moment whether I'm going to allow this person to create a narrative around me that does it, that's not real, you know? And how am I going to work with that? Am I going to combat I'm not really a combative person. I'm definitely, like, straightforward and don't like to keep anything inside. So if anything, if I need to say something, it's going to come out, but not in a combative way. People have their own journeys they're going through. People are also looking through very fuzzy lenses at the world and at how other people are portrayed in front of them. Me too. Every week, that's the way that the world is. It's very, you know, disoriented. But there's a lot of truth that people can see if I live from that truth. So I really just focus on living from my own truth and being who I am. And every once in a while when I'm feeling a little bit disconnected from my roots, my blackness, my Africanness, whatever, I just throw on some Afrobeats, you know what I mean? <laughs> and I dance and I'm like, this is who I am, man. What's all this? Like, <laughs> yes. You know? Yes. I try to keep it very light. I know that there are ways to go deep down and get depressed about things. And those moments happen because, especially when it comes to, like, romance and stuff like that, it can be, it can be, and I guess this ties into the, the other question about what is it like to be black where you are. In Mexico, in general, I find, I'm also 6'1". That, that changes things, too. It does. I'm very tall. And I think when people first meet me I've gotten this comment a lot that I'm overwhelming that not necessarily in a bad way just like I'm I, I'm not the kind of person that you see every day not just because I'm black because I'm tall because of the way that I move the way that I carry myself the way that I talk my presence I know that about myself it's nice to know that but I'm also somebody who loves being affected you know, someone to give affection to, the receiving affection, that's what I'm trying to say. I love receiving affection and external validation from people, but it's hard to feel that when you feel like people are only giving you that because they think that you're, like, you're intriguing or you're exotic. Mm -hmm. And it's like, you don't want to just be intriguing or exotic. It was cute when I was 22. It was cute when I was 24. It started to become a little less cute when I was 25, 26. Mm -hmm. Now I'm 28, and it's like, where are the real connections, right? Like, you need to be able to look past the surface of what, is here yeah appreciate it appreciate everything that i'm that this is given mm -hmm. but underneath all of that you need to be able to see a real connection and i don't see that a lot happening here because i don't think there's a lot of people who look like me around here and if they do they probably stick together which doesn't necessarily help not a bad thing but doesn't necessarily help in like people seeing diversity <laughs> you know yeah. around them and just being like this is a human being just like me not mm -hmm. just someone to be fetishized or someone to be like, oh my gosh, you're so beautiful, you're so this, or or maybe like, oh wow, I didn't even know what to do with you. That's the other side of it. So yeah, mm -hmm. it can be tricky, but I try to keep things light. That's my, my nature, just to be optimistic and to keep moving forward and like, mm -hmm. I don't know, take those painful moments and actually write through them. The alchemy of taking that energy of the pain and writing through it and making and storytelling and creating a different narrative around that. Oh, yes. Do you have a message for black people or non-white people? And then also, what's your message for white people in 2021? <laughs> message for black people is always to remember your power. Um, we have been... We have been done so wrong. I mean, that is such an understatement. But it's like, for me, it's almost, it's, it's astounding how wrong we've been done and how that continues to happen. But at some point, it's because one needs to recognize their own power and say, enough is enough. Mm -hmm. Like, we, think about something that you try to control. Like, if you have, like, I don't know, a hose 
a hose or water is flowing through and there's a hole in it or whatever, and you're trying to control it, you're trying to like, it's because it's powerful and you don't want to let things kind of get out of order. When we are being controlled as black people, when we are, are, are being restricted, when we are being silenced, especially as black women, there's a reason. I think we need to dig underneath and see what's the reason why we are being silenced? What's the reason why we have been controlled? Why our bodies have been controlled? restricted silenced you know mm-hmm. like oppressed what's the reason behind it that's because there is immense power there is immense power within mm-hmm. us and i think you know the more that we can tap into that the more that we can actually integrate it into our lives and use it and remember that on a daily basis that we are powerful now we don't have to exact power over anybody it's just about remembering it then i think we'll, we'll be able to go far within our own lives and others and the message to white i don't have any message to white people i don't that's fair i get it <laughs> <laughs> i know it's not yes. because of any hate or anything it's i just don't that's good. I like that. That yeah. is your message, and I support it. How can we there find you, support you, hire you? What are you offering? Um, where are you located? All the things. Yeah. Uh, so you can find me on Instagram at Wellspring Words and at Naturally Free One Two Three. Naturally Free One Two Three is my personal Instagram. There's a lot of shenanigans going on there, but also like mixed with like some serious deep stuff. So have fun when you're looking through. We mm-hmm. just we like to enjoy. Um, and. My website, uh, www.buyinkem.co, that's B-Y-N-K-E-M.co, and I'm sure that you would... Yeah, I'll tell people. Yep, of course. Yeah, you can see, like, basically, you can get through every 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 place from everywhere. Um, Wellspringwords.love as well. There's the workshops there, one-on-one coaching. Just just go to my Instagrams and, like, go to the links in the bios and you'll find everything. I think that's the easiest way to put it. Yes, wonderful. Yeah, no problem and best of luck to you and enjoy it was great to chat and thank you see you later thanks so much now all right bye bye And Kim, thank you so much for sharing your expertise, your wisdom, your passion for life, and all of the greatness that you are with us on my podcast, Melanated Stamps. Um, y'all, for those of you who have found me on my podcast and on my Instagram page, um, hire her, find her, have her help you journey on this path towards being a writer. All of us have incredible stories um, within us. Um, and that's one of the things that makes humanity so fantastic and so beautiful and also so hard and so complex. And um, people who are able to put words together are, are gifts to, the, to our lived experience. And she and Kim is definitely one of them. Um, so find, find my guest here at Wells. Or, I'm so sorry, y'all. Let me check my notes because I got the website wrong. All right. Wellspringwords.love slash workshops. If you are interested in joining um, her work in a group setting or also in her website um, by inkim.co, you can find her work and also mm, find her on Instagram, Wellspringwords. That is where you can um, check out her digital anthology um, and join uh, the the wealth of women of color there um yeah so that's basically all that i have for today i encourage you guys to check out the other episodes that i have um posted for y'all 
on my website, Melanated Stamps, M-E-L-A-N-A-T-E-D-S-T-A-N-P-S. Check out my t-shirts, check out my gear, check out my Instagram page, my which is Melanated Stamps, um, and come be a guest on the pod. I love talking with folks who are doing incredible things or just regular things um, because we all have a story. And when we share a story, we become collectively free and liberated to live our best lives. So uh, until next time, y'all, drink your water. Enjoy the change in weather if that's where you are in life right now. Um, Be kind to yourself. Be kind to each other. Eat ice cream if you need to or if Oreos is your thing or pizza. I don't know. Enjoy it. Eat it without shame and guilt. Um, and y'all take a nap. All right, y'all be well. See you next time. Bye-bye.